Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of waiting through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling, and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures. The show's been running since about 2016. Stacks of interviews are there for you to check out. But for the last almost two years, I've been meeting up with my friends Gabor Jessica. Yero. And Rob Rose. Hola. Hola. <laughs> Hola, senor. <laughs> For the Iconic series. So we started this, I think it was mid-2021. We started checking out what we called Iconic albums, like albums we're really into. And we've kind of morphed it out into a bunch of different um, guitar-related kind of shows, stuff that we're, we think is kind of cool. So we've got another one for you in today's episode. Rob. Hey, that's me. You kicked off this idea. I that is you. Do you want to uh, talk us through what's the premise for today's episode? Yeah, you know, like I sit around and just all I do is think about ideas for this podcast. And um, I love it. <laughs> Don't talk to me, wife. I got to think about ideas. <laughs> and um, something, I think it was just I was driving another long drive to or from a gig and just some random songs came on Spotify and I went, oh, 90s Brit pop. Awesome. And there's a, there seems to be a bit of a revival of it at the moment as far as Bands making comebacks uh, and bands influenced by 90s Britpop. So I thought, let's mm -hmm. let's talk about some of our favourites from that era. Flippin' Brit Rock. <laughs> Brit Rock Pop. Brit pop, Rock yeah. Pop. Yeah, so oh, I'm trying to be all inclusive because pop's short for popular yeah. and all of these things were popular. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I jump yeah. in, Rob? Um, Broad question. Well, when the aliens come and they say, Rob, what is Britpop? What, how would you explain it to them? Um, I think it's humor, distorted, fuzzy guitars, maybe some political stuff, noise, hooks. And yep. heavy Beatles influence. Yeah. And siblings who don't like mm. each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to abstain from discussing okay. that. I've, I've known <laughs> siblings who don't talk to one another problems. Uh, <laughs> so, and the 90s was a good time for that. Like it was a bit of a resurgence. Mm. There was, especially in this country, there were so many acts from... You know, the obvious ones that we're going to talk about and maybe the not so obvious mm -hmm. ones. And then what that spawned later on with Stereophonics and Supergrass mm. and 
Ah, look, there's just so much to talk about. Yeah, right. But, um, well, it was my idea, and I usually don't like to kick off, but I might kick this one off with my choice. Kick it off, man. Um, yep. Cooler Shaker or Cooler Shaka, depending on who's saying it. Um, so, look, they were basically a trio, but there were four of them at times. So, Crispian Mills, who, fun fact, mother is Haley Mills from Parent Trap fame, a Disney actress. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, he's a lead vocalist, guitar, tambora, not sambora. And <laughs> Richie Tambora. Richie Tambora. And it's like Autumn Shanks. <laughs> <laughs> and harmonica. There's also Alonza Bevan on bass, additional guitars, piano, Paul Winterheart on drums, and Jay Darlington keyboards, piano, organ, Mellotron. Um so I think we just we decided to pick a few tunes from each band that could best sort yeah. of they were either our favourites or best representation of those bands and um the first song that i chose was a cover that they did of a deep purple song called hush uh, oh i didn't know that was a yeah, cover. yeah deep purple mark one actually uh okay, okay. yes i did not i did not pick that reference very yeah, good. I've played this song quite a bit over the years. It's a lot of fun to play, but um, I really rediscovered it. I think it was on the soundtrack of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, okay. I, think that's... I was trying to think what it, what movie soundtrack I remembered yeah. it from. Um, so yeah. the album, it, it was the album K. It was their debut. They had an EP um, prior to this, but it was produced by David Leckie who is from XTC, Stone Roses, The Verve, Radiohead and Muse fame. Um, it was released in September of 1996 and the singles were Tatva, Grateful When You're Dead, which was a song written about their influence by the Grateful Dead. Um, they were big, oh, okay, they were very okay. psychedelic, 60 psychedelic influenced. Uh, that checks out, yeah. Hey Dude was probably the biggest sort of single in this country. Um, the only thing that really got any airplay here and Govinda. Um, it reached number one on the UK charts. Um, so in September of 1995, Cooler Shaker were joint winners of the In The City contest along with Placebo, which quickly resulted mm. in a record contract with Columbia Records who were eager to sign another band that had the multi-platinum crossover appeal of oasis mm -hmm. um so yeah a hush oh look hush is such a great song um i didn't really dig too far into the songs um as a you know as a whole but um just picking out the particular songs from the records um tat yeah cool tatva was another song that i picked um, out and you can find these in the playlist, which I might actually pull up because that'll help me with the songs that I chose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. I guess yeah, we should jump in and say Rob's made a playlist that will will pop in the uh, show notes as well, so you can listen along to uh to the mm. tunes that we did. Yeah, thanks for doing the list, Rob. That's cool. No worries. So um, I chose a couple of songs from that um, first record, which is Tatva, which was the first single. And Hey Dude, um, he's known 
as a 70 Stratocaster user. He had a black on maple mm-hmm. 79, 80 Strat. He's also known for his Squire Venus 12. Oh, cool. A Rickenbacker 360, oh. Gold Top P90. Um, and amps used were just a basic Fender Twin Reverb. Um, and then at times, a Soldano X88R preamp into a Music Man 112RD100. Mm. Yes. That's one way to make an RD sound better yeah. than they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, done. I've only played one. It, I, I could be biased. It might have been a bad yeah. one. Yeah, just... uh, they're hit and miss those things, especially with the ones with the solid state tube dual uh-huh. thing. So the all tube ones, I think, are pretty good. But yeah, he um he's known for using Milan. Boutique pedals, so Fuzzers, Waz, they're a Korean company. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're um, talking about now, yes. And speaking of big pedals, which we did discuss early on, uh, EHX Micro Synth pedal, which I don't know why it's called a Micro Synth. It's a massive pedal. <laughs> the old one. Yeah, massive, and that's yeah. what he used. The sliders yeah. on um, And an MXR Micro amp. So, yeah, influences, um, they were listening to Grateful Dead, 13th Floor Elevators and Seeds. And obviously, there's a Hendrix and Beatles influence there as well, which you can hear George Harrison in that kind of Hinduism, Indian influence in their music. Yeah, right. Um, And then on the next record, there's two songs that I love, but I chose uh, Mystical Machine Gun, which is like a quite an adventure, that song. Uh, it yeah. builds, it's a beautiful sonic kind of, masterpiece in my opinion that song and that was off 1999's peasants pigs and astronauts now originally they had george draculis and rick rubin producing um Mm -hmm. but they weren't really happy with how things were going so they brought in bob ezrin instead um so the initial recording sessions were at well, it was partly recorded at Astoria Recording Studio, which is a houseboat owned by David Gilmore. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's where you go and record. <laughs> Tax dodge. And it totally, like, it just has all of those elements that you kind of associate with that era of Britpop. There's hooks, there's fuzzy guitars, mm. there's <clears throat> fun and humour. Um, but the one thing I like that Cooler Shaker did that the others didn't is just exploring that kind of Indian um, mystic mysticism <laughs> that George yeah. Harrison sort of brought to the Beatles. Yeah, right. Um, so there's sitar and there's really quite a palette. Couple of loops and yeah, stuff. Yeah, to, to their music. And, um, yeah, big fan of Cooler Shaker, probably more than any of that Britpop era band um, and that's why I chose them. What What are your nice. memories of Kula Shaka? Gabor? Me? Uh, I remember them from, yeah, I remember uh, a couple of the songs from back in the days. I, I went through a phase where I was really into a lot of sort of Indian music and a lot of fusion music, I guess you would call it, where you fuse Indian music into another music. And the whole psychedelic thing, I was kind of into all that for a while. So I do remember them. Um, I was never, I wouldn't 
call myself that I was a huge f- fan or followed them, but I remember I had some of their music and uh, I, I, the name was definitely there. And as soon as you mentioned it, I went, ah, oh. and I remember the whole Indian influence side of things. Um, yeah, I quite liked it. I mean, the, the things, what did I write down? The things I wrote down, um, I, I really like a lot because I think I listened to those songs and I listened to a few other songs as well. Uh, just to kind of get back into the thing, I love the Indian influences uh, influences in the music, the tabla loops, the sitar bits, um, very Beatle esque in yeah. parts. There's some parts that are, uh, um, I guess, Mellotron in there, but also the, the harmonies and sort of very Beatle esque, but then also very psychedelic. I can definitely see the Grateful Dead thing. Um, yeah, yeah, and I could see them being quite a sort of a jam band that live would drag out a lot of songs and just kind of I don't know if they would do that or not, but it's the kind of music it Allows seems it. to me yeah, like it. you could you could do that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, cool riffs, um, interesting, um, interesting uh, um, riffs, interesting parts. Um, yeah, I, all up, I. I I quite liked it. It was quite interesting actually to listen to it again because I haven't listened to it, I reckon, in 20 years at least or mm. more. So it was nice to kind of revisit Cooler Shaker. Um, yeah, because that, that first album, um, as I mentioned, was 96. So they were kind of late in that that era yeah. of when that sound was um, really coming out of uh, Great Britain. And then that second album, which I pulled Mystical Machine Gun from, that was March 1999. So that's sort of right on the end... On the end um, of it all, yeah. Going into the the millennia, change of millennia. Ooh. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I just I, I I'm a huge Cream fan, and you know from past episodes, where you know Hendrix fans and all of that. So mm. it's uh, it kind of fits nicely into that into that mm. vibe. And um, how about you, Matt? Well, I had never heard of this band, <gasps> and. I forgive me. I wish I had. I wish I had. I, I, I thought back, why don't I know more about this stuff? Because mid to late 90s, when this stuff was going bonkers, I'll, I think I was listening to a lot of grunge, um, a lot of acid jazz, uh, Ronnie Jordan, brand new heavies kind of stuff. It's getting Great right stuff. In, yeah, yeah. I was getting right into that stuff. So the Britpop thing kind of went past me. I mean, there was the obvious big hits from Oasis and Blur that um, were pretty obvious to find in Australia, I guess. But yeah, so yeah. I didn't so I didn't know a lot of this stuff. And I gotta tell you both, like the listening to all this stuff has been so fun. Because mm. all this stuff ticks a lot of my boxes. Um, we've talked about power pop before and I think some of this stuff has got the stuff I love about some of the American power pop. So, you know, super melodic, hooky, um, funny, clever. Uh, quirky, um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, cooler shaker. I loved it. Um, the mm. production is so dense, man. There's yeah, a lot going on in some lots of the songs. going on in such a cool way. So yeah, yeah when you mentioned Grateful Dead, um, absolutely could could hear that. Um, I, I was digging the Bo Diddley kind of rhythms in in the Hush yeah. cover that, but fast like a fast Bo Diddley. And then uh, then it's on for young and old. I did make a note, like throughout all this music, the tambourine and the shaker just got, got a real workout throughout the Britpop. Uh, kind was, it, of was, it, was it cool? Cool? Was the shaker pretty cool? Oh. Uh-huh. It was Sorry. A, 
It was Sorry. a cooler shaker. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't get much cooler. Uh, no, it doesn't get much cooler than a shaker. It's a bit, bit in boom, the boom. cooler. <laughs> hey, good to hear the Mellotron again. Uh, it seems like there, mm. there was many an iconic albums episode that had some Mellotron. Yeah, it's doing that exact same thing that everyone does with the Mellotron. I don't know why anyone doesn't do anything different. But always I don't that, know. Can uh, you do uh, anything uh, different with <laughs> it? Oh, like Maybe you're not allowed uh, to. No. Maybe just in Strawberry Fields, everyone's like, why would you want to do anything else? Um, so whenever I hear that, I don't think it's a rip-off. I just think it just makes me feel good hearing that kind of that idea. Maybe the Mellotron, yeah. you just push the one button and it just yeah. does that. It's like a warm blanket, the Mellotron. It's like a warm blanket. It just makes you smile and think that all's nice in the world. You know, because it makes you yeah. think of strawberry fields and all those real That's iconic right. uses of the Mellotron. And no matter where it yeah. is, you know, even when I hear it on um, Diesel's Solid State Rhyme album, it just takes, you, know, yeah. you just hear it and you go, oh, yeah, it's a place. It's a it's actually in a place. Hey, I like the slapback uh, echo on the vocals as well. Yeah, so another throwback to that 60s psychedelic kind yeah. of, you know, Cream had it and those bands sort mm. of had it in that time. And look, the Beatles, there was a lot of that. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and those sorts of songs. Where mm. the, John Lennon did a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's just And it adds that little element of grit. To the vocal too. Yeah. It's not just this clean kind of delay. It's just, yeah, beautiful slapback tape echoes or whatever they're using, you know. It's yeah. sonically gorgeous. Mm. Ear candy for days mm. on this stuff. Mm. So, yeah, cool shaker. If you hadn't heard of them, then, uh, yeah, go check them out. Um, there's quite a bit out there now. There's a few albums and they've recently sort of reformed. Uh it, did I read some of the, the lead singer who had a kind of an, an odd uh, odd name to begin with, but he changed his name because he became is did he become a Hari Krishna? He, or something yeah, like that, or did... he's he's definitely well and truly into that world um, where he believes yeah. in that sort of stuff. Because I think he changed his name as well and stuff. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I just read something. About I was that, watching yeah. a few little docos to get a little more background on them, and um, they've they've got. Uh, very critically acclaimed Glastonbury set out there. That's kind of where they okay, exploded, cool. I think. Uh, okay. But yeah, anyone who plays a 70 Strat's all right by me. Very fat guitar sound for a Strat. Yeah. That's, the, that's sort of one of the things I was thinking. It's like big, fat sound. Mm. And it looks like it's just a three-single-coil Strat yeah. that he's playing. So. Yeah, as soon as I sort of was starting to research it and I saw it, I went, oh, that's about the era that I like them, 78. 79 80 uh, uh-huh. getting uh, a bit out of control price wise the 70 strats these days but uh, yeah yeah they've got an interesting uh following at the moment you know there's a whole bunch of that pedal show have done a thing with 70 strats and there's a bunch of other guys that are really championing them at the moment skinnier necks isn't that funny sort of thing uh, yeah um Slight detail. I saw Mono a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, uh, who we've mentioned. It was the best. It was the best. But Yoda, the sort of second guitarist, had his seventy-one Strat there, cool. and he had an identical replacement. Um, and uh, Tucker had his sixty-six Jazzmaster there, and he had an Good identical man. replacement. Oh wow! They really, 
They they just want to have the same things. Anyway, but yeah, the seventy black seventy strat did look cool. Well, I had what I thought was a seventy nine strat. It was sort of the first proper guitar I ever bought, and it had been you know put a Floyd Rose on it. And <laughs> when I bought it from a Sydney music store, and it was really cheap. I think I might have paid seven or eight hundred bucks for it because it had been mm-hmm. all modded. Um, and then when I started to look into it. And when I finally decided to sell it, only the neck was from 79. Everything. Oh, and not even no. the body. The body wasn't even a fender body. It was from oh, something else. Man. It had no markings on it. And I think the pickups had been changed out for just some Japanese ones because they had the bar magnets and on the okay. back. And it's just like, oh, well. You know, so I just pretty much modded everything upgraded everything and it was my main guitar for a long time when i first started gigging Mm. but then yeah i didn't find out it wasn't original until i started pulling it apart to sell it and i was like okay Okay. uh man not gonna get anything back on this one no was it still a big headstock in 79 um yeah it had the it had the big headstock with the um, spaghetti yeah. logo, the old school, you know, yeah. dark spaghetti logo, not like the new spaghetti yeah. logo. The big Stratocaster in black yeah. writing. They're my favorites, you know. Yeah. That's a cool three cool. Three bolt? This one had a four bolt neck and four? there were four bolt necks that started sort of around 79, 80. So, okay. um, yeah, it wasn't unusual for CBS to just go, oh, this is what we've got left. Just build a guitar out yeah. of it, but um, yeah. yeah, it turned out not to be original. But the neck was, and mm. it was a four bolt neck on the original. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. All right, well, I'll jump in. Um, I went with Oasis, maybe the most obvious of all Britpop bands, oh, yeah. arguably. I mean, apart from the original Gangsters, the Beatles, who were blatantly ripped off by Oasis on on <laughs> many times. Some will say, some will say. So interesting. I think you just have to roll with it, though. You do yeah. have to roll with it, yeah. Just, you just take have time. To, you just have to start a revolution in your bed. So yeah. um, that's all you have to do. The I, the four songs I chose, they're all from the first three records. But but never look back in anger. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You are a wonder. Wall. Okay. Um, <sighs> the songs I chose, Stand By Me from... Um, from Be Here Now, the album in 97. Supersonic, which was their first single ever from the Definitely Maybe album that came out in 94. Kind of kick-started this, this stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple of songs from the massive uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory album, which sort of blew the whole thing open for them, I guess, at least yeah. internationally. They were obviously doing some big stuff in the UK at the time. So, yeah, two songs for that. Morning Glory, title track, and Don't Look Back in Anger, which is probably my favourite Oasis song. It's just a big, massive anthem. I have exactly the same. Probably my favourite Oasis song written down. Really? Uh, okay. Notes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's an obvious one. Maybe it's not a deep cut at all. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that tune. Um, for me, the, the stuff I love about Oasis, I think I've already sort of mentioned it in general. But the the melodic stuff is is awesome. Super melodic. Stand by me. I love those kind of melodies, those Beatlesque kind of Beatles-esque, chord yeah. progressions. Going in a major key, going to the three as a major chord piano is is a, a move I love. I think that's a cool, mm. 
cool kind of thing. I was kind of interested too, um, listening again, because some of this stuff I've been listening to in a long while, something like Supersonic, it's pretty rocking. It's not, it's not just jangly guitars. It's pretty thick sounding guitars and um, hmm. aggressive, but again, bringing in that, that sense of melody and, and uh, pop smarts really uh, to this, this tough kind of sounding tune. Yeah, so I guess the the two strands, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but I hear songs like Supersonic, Morning Glory. They've got a certain toughness, a uh, certain snarl to them. And then there's tunes like Stand By Me and Don't Look Back in Anger, which um, bring more of that melodic kind of flair hmm. to the to the fore. So, yeah, kind of cool. Um, Noel Gallagher uh, doing the the heavy lifting, I guess, on the guitar parts is what I got the idea from the albums. There was always a rhythm guitarist, but a few guys took that seat. But but Noel seemed to be taken. Well, he's the main songwriter. He's same, the main guy, He's yeah. the main brains behind the whole thing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought they were, they were four songs for me which kind of defined uh, the stuff I was, I was digging about. Oasis. It's hmm. kind of funny, hey. It's it's the story of Oasis. It's the 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 feuding brothers. It, it almost <laughs> overshadows the tunes and and the the kooky interviews and, and the, there's a funny there's that, a, who what, there was a, a thing I saw recently and it was this little clip of this guy saying you know they're such idiots you know who <laughs> who do a Get together, do a couple of shows. You're going to rake in the cash, <laughs> you know. Every, and he, he goes, "There's not one person who goes to whatever the, the Fearless Flying Frog Brigade or whatever it's called, the the one, <laughs> you know, the Noel's, Noel's band, band and Liam's yeah. band." Yeah. He said, "There's not one person who goes to that show that wouldn't rather see Oasis." It's <laughs> <laughs> probably true. Just you know, you guys in your fifties now don't act like. 13-year-old boys who are feuding with people. Just get over yourselves and get back together and do a couple of shows. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and it's a doesn't it Doesn't it make ACDC look like absolute geniuses? That They've kept <laughs> yeah. it together yeah. the whole time. And not only they've been able to get yeah. Stevie to come in after Mal- we lost Malcolm, you know, and then mm. you're just like, man, that's a tight band. You know, the brothers, but yeah. you get on the yeah. other flip side, you get the Gallaghers and you get the Robinson brothers from the Black Crows and, you know, who are mm. just notorious. I get it. Like, I completely get it. Um, but, <laughs> Douchebags is the way you yeah. for, the word but you're that, for. <laughs> I remember just thinking when they did that MTV Unplugged and Liam decided he didn't want to do it at the last minute and Noel goes out there on his own and that that in itself, like, the guy deserves pats on the back for that. But then yeah, he had yeah. to contest with Liam heckling him from the audience through the yeah. whole performance. <laughs> and it's just like, serious. like, oh, man, serious. And I watched the Liam Gallagher uh, doco not that long ago and you kind of feel for him, but they just can't seem to swallow their pride. And no. Again, completely understand it from a personal performance. Um, point of view myself but yeah just yeah personally i don't know if it's just me but personally i went there's there's a few concerts where liam walked off and noel sang songs i'm in all honesty prefer his voice um 
uh, Liam to me, I don't know if it's, it, 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 he has no vibrato at all. And that really nasally voice, it just always sounds weird to me. It's, are there many other singers that have no vibrato? Because he has no vibrato in his voice, which I guess makes it harder to pitch. But there's just zero vibrato whenever he sings. And that nasally voice, to me, it's just always something weird about his mm. voice. Um, but yeah, I, I much prefer Noel to go. But it works. Like, as, as it works for the songs. It's kind of like you've got singers that if you isolated their voice, you probably would never listen to it. But when you put it in the context of the music, it's like another it instrument. So the timbre mm. of it just works perfectly in that sonic space. I mean, he writes all the songs. Mm. So I guess he, and I guess he tells Liam what to sing. Or does Liam write the lyrics? I have no idea who's doing what. I thought. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure Noel writes yeah. everything. Or I wrote I had everything. that impression. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he he, he probably sang the songs to begin with anyway. And then just gives it to his brother to sing. So, yeah, I, I mean, the stuff I've written down, um, uh, I always preferred Noel singing songs better. Uh, Don't Look Back in Anger, probably my favourite Oasis song. Stand By Me is probably my favourite song that Liam sings of Oasis. I really like okay. that song. Um, uh, Morning Glory, I just wrote down, I, I never realised until I listened to it again, how busy the song is. Mm. There's so many layered guitar parts going on and there's this kind of lead melody all the way through it's very yeah, busy i never i didn't remember yeah. it to be that busy but it's very very busy very thick very layered um um <laughs> in supersonic i just go i just wrote down his voice is so whiny <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just what i wrote down <laughs> that's what, but i mean oasis yeah they were just one of those bands i have I had a couple of friends that were really 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 into oasis okay and um, okay. i was always more the blur guy as we will find out soon um and it was funny because yeah I, I gave the oasis guys a lot of crap but <laughs> <laughs> It's always funny that stuff. That that kind of stuff kind of turns me off a bit. All that bravado with the biggest band in the world and blah blah blah. It's and... the media doing a lot of it. It's it's. I think it was just the media. I mean, maybe with Liam he was like that, but I think Noel and and the guys in Blur. They, I think it was the media that pushed them to do it. Yeah, right, right. But um, yeah, Noel seems yeah loves the music and yeah. Um, it's pushing that end of it, obviously. So, yeah, it's cool. I mean, guitar parts are really interesting. Some of the lead playing like bugs me a bit. Like that, like you said, that Morning Glory, that wah, wah, those like slow bends, and it's all like, the way through. <laughs> so, oh, it just man. never stops. And yeah, I still like the songs. I'm still yeah. digging the the energy and and the lyrics that I don't think really makes sense. Super and, catchy tunes. But um, anyway, I don't know, Rob. Well, I just share a story about one time my wife asked me to stop singing Wonderwall and I said, maybe. Um, anyway. <laughs> That's an old meme. Um, I didn't make that one up. Good. I'm not claiming ownership. We were just saying before we started recording, we were saying he's, he does the 70s show, he does the 80s show, and he should really do a comedy uh, show. As well, yeah. so. it's, it's very. <laughs> if you want to hear a Rob Rhodes comedy uh, episode, uh, let us Let's just say comments. that when I'm singing and playing guitar, there's more hits than misses. But when I do my comedy show, there's definitely more misses than hits. Hey, but um, right. <laughs> so on that note, on that Oasis note. for me is quite funny. Like I've played a lot of the songs uh, live in bands over the years, been in top forties 
you know, obviously. Yeah. Uh, my favorite song has always been She's Electric. I just, I love oh, yeah. that song. I love the shuffle. I love the chord progressions. I love the lyrics and the story that go through it. Um, and can't really go past as a guitar player that just wants to build a lead break in a song, Champagne Supernova. Like, who doesn't like to solo over that out solo progression? Yeah, sure. Um, mm. Just that descending chromatic thing. It's, yeah. Beautiful to solo over. Um, but, yeah, again, I come back to that the pop world kind of destroyed Oasis because they were on the radio every five minutes. Uh, mm. The same songs um, over and over and over again. It was just massive uh, overexposure yeah. is probably the best way to put it. Uh, uh, but in saying that, you go back. I listen to those songs, and they stand up. Supersonic's still super fun to listen to. I was mm. in an ill-fated band that we played that, and that was my favourite song in the set to to okay. play. Um, I still do Wonderwall in my solo set, and I still do She's Electric from time to time. <clears throat> uh, She's Electric was always big with uh, the Backpackers. So we used to play every Sunday in Manly, Sydney, Manly. And yeah, when the backpackers were in town or the Barmy Army were here for the ashes, she's electric. They love that. Absolutely go yeah. off that song because they weren't used to hearing it when they came over here. Uh, and Don't Look Back in Anger, of course, was another one that's just the yeah. sing-along. Mm. And you know, as much as we hate Wonderwall, it's a really great song. It really is. It is a great. Oh, of course, it is. Yeah. yeah. Chord progression's good. Love to throw a capo on, and uh, and blast that one out. Everyone likes it. Uh, yeah, I, I never bought any Oasis records, uh, but yeah, they definitely could cash in a lot if that's one of the reformations post. You know what we've gone through on the planet. They could be one of the big ones. So get it together, boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this is, I'm sure my message to him is the last straw. They're like, oh, yeah. All right. All right. You're right. You're right. Actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. You're so right. Cut me in. Cut me in <laughs> for a commission too, boys. All right. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course Put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cobb. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. So I chose, uh, just because I, I quite like the band and I quite like the guitar player, I chose Blur. Woohoo! Um, woo <laughs> but I didn't choose that song. That was actually one of the songs I didn't choose. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Graham Coxon. I love Graham Coxon. Uh, and there's so many really, really good interviews with him recently. And he mm -hmm. seems like, like such a funny dude. Um, check out um, um, that pedal show. Did a couple of videos with him. Yeah, and I think even be even better, uh, produce like a pro. Um, yeah, 
Uh, it's a channel. It's usually about recording. And it's a guy called Warren Hewitt, an, an English guy who lives in L.A. And I think Grant Coxon lives in L.A. now too because he does a lot of soundtrack work. And they sat down and they went through the whole Modern Life of his Rubbish album, uh, every song and what effects he used and what he played and the, wow. the riffs and he talked about it. And then he also did one about song two, which is quite funny. And um, But I just, I just really like – he seems like a really funny – um, witty kind of nice dude, Graham Coxon. And I really like his playing style because it's very quirky and out there as well. So anyway, so Blur formed in London in 1988. You've got Damon um, Alban on bass. You've got Alex James on bass. Uh, sorry, on vocals. Damon Alban on vocals. Alex James on bass. Dave Roundtree on drums. And Graham Coxon on guitar. Uh, so Graham Coxon mostly known for using Telecasters. Marshals and rat pedals. That seems to be mm. sort of the thing he he does, and layering of rat pedals uh, where you have multiple rat pedals, and uh, at times also a little known DOD pedal called the Punkifier, which you can now purchase uh, <laughs> from uh, my good friends at Past Effects. A pedal called the Punky Fryer, which was somewhat de- developed together with me. So what? Go check no way! Out. No yeah, way! I tell, know, crazy. Tell I us would never do any more. sort of shameless self promotion on this, but you know, I did. That's um, awesome. I didn't know he used a Punkifier though. I think that was a that's a legit um, crossover did, to, yeah, to your pedal. Punkifier was was one of the pedals he used in some of the recordings because um, he likes using um, fuzzes. Mm-hmm. And layering fuzzes with distortions, which are okay. kind of fuzzes too, because he uses rats, so they're sort of fuzzy distortions. Yeah, yeah. And then he adds often a second rat, and then maybe also fuzz on top of that to get this massive feedback buzzing kind of um, square wave sounds. Yeah, nice. Um, now, one of the things I really like about Graham Coxon that sort of when you watch some of the interviews with him. He has no knowledge of music theory whatsoever. I like him already. <laughs> uh, he's all about playing by ear. He And he says he's all about um, at gigs and stuff as well, just going for stuff. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and he said often, you know, you hit a note, it's wrong. Just bend it till it's not wrong anymore and then, <laughs> then you're all good. Um very unique guitar playing style. If you listen to the stuff he does, it's very unique, very busy. Uh, he even said in, in interviews he he because um, Blur sort of had quite a long hiatus for a little while, and then they got back together. And I think they got back together again now and doing some touring this okay. year. But he said after quite a long hiatus, he had to sit back down and relearn a lot of the songs. And he started really hating his younger self for making really? it so difficult because it's so busy and there's so much going on. Yeah, yeah. But he said when he was younger, he would um, sit there and watch. And he mentioned guys like Oasis. <laughs> and he said, my God, the guitar players must be bored playing this every day. It's just right. playing three chords over and over again. He wanted to make it more exciting for himself. Mm. So he, he plays all these little riffs and melodies and arpeggios and stuff like that that – often have some interesting notes in it that may not be part of a key, but it's just because it sounds right to him. Mm. He's a visual artist too. So he does a lot of painting, sort of a lot of the painted artworks on Blur albums he did. He did sort of the the paintings for it. And he said a lot of times it's like painting. He sort of, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he just sort of scribbles stuff. And if it sounds right and it sounds right to him, 
then it works. Um, uh, yeah, so the songs I picked, uh, there are three songs of three different albums. Uh, sorry, four songs of four different albums. I picked Four Tomorrow. I picked Charmless Man, Beetle Bum, and Coffee and TV. Um, now, before I get into the song specifically, um, Blur, Matt, thoughts? Uh, I know more about Blur than I do about Cooler Shaker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Blur, I mean, obviously, song two was massive in Australia. Um, I thought that was Worldwide, a great tune. The biggest hit, biggest hit. Yeah, and it's kind of like a a, a pastiche on grunge, really, isn't it? Because it's but it's if you and again, there's that really good. There's a really good interview with Warren Hewitt, produced like a pro, about that particular song. Okay, and the whole. I don't know if you know the backstory of the song. No, but the song was a joke. Okay, and it became the biggest hit. Yeah, so they were working on the on that album, the album that it was on. Uh, which I think was an album called 13 in 1999. They were working on the album and some people from the record company were coming to the studio to see what they were doing because they mm-hmm. said they were maybe changing their style a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they heard the people were coming and they said, oh, they're going to be here in half an hour. Let's quickly record something really, really obnoxious uh-huh. <laughs> just to just to annoy the record company people. And they quickly took this, it was like a drum loop. They quickly took this and played over it. Yeah. And and uh, I think it was they, um, um, Graham Coxon who said, okay, so let's do a really obnoxious, clean guitar sound in the – and no bass in the verse. And then for the chorus, no guitar and just really distorted bass. Okay. <laughs> uh, and just, you know, and I think the lyrics was just first go, you know. Um, and he's and in the chorus, I think then he just played the one octave chord, just a one note, sort of over and over and mm. over on the guitar. And they were just trying to do something really obnoxious. Recorded it in ten, fifteen minutes, the whole song, just to as a joke for the record uh, company executives that were coming. And they came and they said, "Oh, this is amazing! This is fantastic!" <laughs> <laughs> and it became the biggest hit. Ironically, so wow. I just think it's. That's so funny that it's just a song that was meant to be a joke yeah. just to annoy record company people became their biggest wow. hit. That's a cool tune. <laughs> it's a great tune. And he was saying he was really trying as hard as he could to get the guitar to sound as crappy as possible. Okay. He calls the playing. He tried to play as juvenile as possible, the wow. guitar. Uh, and then the, the bass had about three different fuzzes or something on it for the chorus <laughs> just to make it an obnoxious bass sound. Far out, man. <laughs> and no lyrics just go, woohoo. Yeah, that'll do. That's great. And yeah, he but just made you, up the words, you know, when I feel heavy metal and I'm pins and needles or whatever it is, it's just made up words. So they were the first thing that came to his head. Um, anyway, I didn't pick that song. So I'll, I'll go through it chronologically. So first yeah. one, For Tomorrow. Um, oh, actually, no, sorry. Rob, um, Blur. Yeah, again, not a not a huge fan. I actually, yeah, that, that whole, I know this was my idea, but it's yeah. kind of forced me out of, my box because I wasn't a huge into the Britpop thing. But um, okay. like with everything, there's a couple of real favorite tunes. Um, Blur, I love Tender. I think that's probably my oh, yeah, favorite. Yeah. It's got that soul, you know, gospel thing going on, which I really like. And Country House, you know, just the delivery of that song. There's, It's funny. 
but the guitar parts are really yeah. cool and the arrangement's great and the melody is, you know, just killer. Makes you want to sing along. Yeah. Uh, it's a good song country. It's a great yeah. era. Like each each band had, you know, two, three, four, five really great songs. And um, yeah, Blue were no different. And song two, I've obviously played that a bunch of times. I don't think I've ever played any yeah. other Blue song live. Um, I don't know if that's an no. indictment on how big they were in this country, but um, maybe yeah. it says more for how big that song was. But um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I actually like Gorillas, which is his side project, which is probably not his side project anymore. Um, more, it's, so it's than, gotten quite big, quite big to yeah, be a side exactly. project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, yeah, no, I, I do. I do there's some cool stuff and I did enjoy listening to those songs, even though I'd had heard them all before because I think Rage yeah. Rage were big Blur fans. It seemed like they played Blur a lot. Probably, yeah. 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 I remember oh, had- Coffee and TV was on heaps, that video. That's such a cool song and cool video. And that's cool just- video. Yeah. That's with the milk cartons, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, man. The missing person thing on the side of the milk carton. Yeah. Oh, man. Amazing. Okay, well, the songs I picked. So For Tomorrow, uh, that's off the second album, Modern Life is Rubbish, which I said before, but if you get a chance, um, check out the Warren Hewitt produce. The channel is called Produce Like a Pro on YouTube. Check out. It goes for about an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. and they go through every song and what he plays and if he remembers what what, um, pedals he used and all that sort of stuff. And he's really funny to, to watch him, you know, talk about it. Uh, so this is another song they wrote for record company executives, but at the time, uh, so this was 1993, it was the second album, Modern Life is Rubbish. Uh, at the time, they were possibly going to get dropped from the label um, because when um, uh, record company people came to see what they were doing for the second album, they didn't really particularly like any of the songs. They said there were no real hits. So right at the end of recording, they recorded this and um, another song, whatever the other big song was of that, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. But they recorded this uh, trying to write a pop song that would chart for the record company people. And uh, it worked and kept them on the record company, uh, with the record company. Uh, very Bowie-esque, uh, lots of kind of key changes or change of key center, borrowed chords from other um, mm. scales and stuff. It has a Bowie-esque sort of quality to it. Um, uh, quite experimental, quite a, yeah, interesting sort of song. What what, what are your thoughts on, on For Tomorrow? Matt? Yeah, I, I was digging it. Yeah, kind of trippy. I think um, quite a lot of their songs have these really curious chord progressions, which I guess... Um, comes back to Coxon's uh, desire no to sound mean. like that, yeah. and yeah, no, yeah. not sort of bound by 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 rules like maybe maybe other writers might be. So yeah, that that ties in for sure. Yeah. What about what about uh, for tomorrow, Rob? Yeah, it didn't I? I don't know. It didn't nothing really stuck with me with Blur. It was um, the la 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> no, like it, it's all it's fun and it's and it's you know, quirky and it it fits right in with that era. But, yeah, kind of like the way Cooler Shaker missed Matt, sort of blur apart from those few songs, missed me. Yeah, missed you. so. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, I'll just quickly go through the other songs. And Charmless mm-hmm. Man, uh, off their fourth album, Great Escape, released in 1995. Again, just really quirky, interesting, very busy guitar parts. Yeah. Very catchy, hooky melody. Yeah. That one's um, Beatlesque too, don't you think? Like Very yeah. Beatlesque, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I think I've read the thing uh, where it says it's basically every Beatles album is visited within the one yeah, song. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's got those fuzzed um, guitars. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the other song, Beetlebum, that's off the fifth album, a self-titled album called Blur, uh, released in 1997. Now, I always have a thing for songs that start with a guitar riff and where you think the one is is not where the one is when the drums come Uh in. And that's one of those songs as well. It starts and where you kind of think, oh, this must be where the one is. The drums come in, it comes in a different part to where you think the one is. And oh, that's something I always like. Sex on um, Fire, that's the, that's the big one for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, Beetlebum. Um, and I like um, with Beetlebum, I like the slides in the guitar because it's it, the verse. The yeah. It, it, that is a kind of a basic chord progression, but that slide thing just makes it really yeah. unique. It's very clever. And it's got this uh, slapback echo as well, which kind of makes mm. it, it kind of gives it almost like a U2-esque rhythmic yeah, thing maybe. as it does it. Yeah. Real thing. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's very clever. Very cool. And lastly, Coffee and TV, which I think is my favorite Blur song, and it's sung by Graham Cox and the guitarist as well. It's off their sixth album, 13, released in 1999. Um, the chords are great. And again, mm. uh, great that pedal show episode where he shows them the chords and then they tell him what the chords are. And it, the second chord is a major minor chord, <laughs> you know, um, and he didn't know what they are. And just quirky chords, a little octave riffs he chucks in there with a few suspect notes that kind of fit yet don't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrics as well, as well, very dark, very, um, I think he at the time was dealing Graham Coxon with a lot of um, drug and alcohol issues, okay. and that came out of he he said he says in a lot of interviews he was a very angry sod back in the days, okay. <laughs> and um, uh, that's what he says of himself. And uh, a lot of these lyrics came out of he was just an angry angry guy, mm. um, but yeah, great great. Great song, great chords, great lyrics, great film clip where the poor little milk carton goes to heaven in the end, but then the the, the strawberry milk carton is in heaven too. <laughs> it's just cool. It's just um, great clip, great song, and yeah, all up. Uh, there's heaps, heaps of other, songs like Park Life and Girls and Boys, and there's so many, and they're just quirky songs. And if you yeah. really listen to what the guitar does, it always does weird stuff, and that's just me. I like that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a very, you know, very pop context. I think the that, quirk, that it, the vocals. He ha- he writes such hooky, catchy vocal melodies. Mm. They kind of tie all that stuff in, and and it, yeah, yeah. I think for me, Coffee and TV. I wrote the same thing. It's my favorite Blur song. Yeah, for sure. And the solo in that is just genius. Well, again, if it's you watch that, kooky. If you watch that pedal show uh, episode, uh-huh. he basically he was saying they were doing they were de- doing demos basically off the off the tracks, and he said, "Oh, do a guitar solo here," and he was just making filler noises, 
And he said he was basically just bending the notes and leaning yeah. down to his pedal boards, turning effects on and off, mm-hmm. just making noises. And uh, just as a as filler noises for the demo track or the, the, uh-huh. when it first started demoing the songs. And then when it came to, they properly recorded all the other bits. And then they said, oh, uh, he said, oh, and there's this guitar solo bit. What do you want me to do? And all the other guys in the band said, no, leave that. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it was one take, first take, quickly. It's great. He didn't even think about what he was doing. He was just leaning down, pushing pedals while okay. bending strings. And he said, you can hear the guitar fell on his lap, I think, once. Oh, really? Okay. In the middle of it. And you can hear the strings <laughs> bashing against the... Because okay. he was leaning down and it kind of yeah, fell okay. onto his lap as he was oh, sitting down and, and stuff like that. And it was just, yeah, turning effects on. He turned the tremolo on. Then he turns another distortion on. And then he turned the vibrato on. And just, yeah. But it's a great solo, and it fits so well into that. Yeah, it's kooky, man. It's yeah. great, and your singing's it. awesome. It's like it's a very earnest delivery. Yeah, um, he's great. A lot of his like uh, a melancholy. Um, uh, he he does because he's a visual artist too. He does his graphic novel mm-hmm. with, together with someone else, and he does a soundtrack to it. Okay, excellent. And he did on Netflix as a show, the end of the effing world. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Netflix, he did the soundtrack to that, which is really, really good as well. Okay. Um, check it out. So uh, he does a lot of soundtrack stuff now. And, and just a lot of it is him just sitting at home with acoustic guitar and singing and playing. Mm-hmm. But great, great songs. He, he, yeah, he's, he's a quite, an, quite an interesting, quirky, kooky songwriter. And that's Blur. Thank you very much. Blur. And that is, um, <laughs> that is the uh, Brit, 90s Brit pop wrapped up. By three Aussies. <laughs> um, yeah, mate. Who who on our uh, group chat sort of thing listed Supergrass? Yeah, Mary I, I as put a that honorable as my mention. honorable mention because I I love Supergrass. Mary is such a cool song, and oh, so is Pumping on Your Stereo. Awesome. But I think that that was outside of the nineties. But um, and that yeah, video clip okay. of that is just killer. But yeah, Supergrass. Even like God, they had. They had some really great songs, and their big claim to fame was that the their big hit in Clueless soundtrack that just exploded okay. them. Uh, we are young, we are all right, oh, we yeah, are all right. right. And I was hard to not put Jamiroquai in as well, but well, would you call quite, it Britpop? Well, he was pop music, and he's from Britain, and he was around in the nineties. Oh, so true, 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 true. <laughs> good true, guitar true. in those songs. Uh, Actually, I, I was too. listening to a lot of Jamiroquai. Yeah. That, that Me kind too. Of, that yeah. fit into my... Emergency on planet Earth. Simon Katz, I think, was a guitarist back in those days. He was yeah. great. Actually, yeah. I wanted to give a quick honour mention to uh, Pulp. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah? I love yeah. some Pulp. Jarvis Cocker, he's just one of those... Another really quirky dude. And, and you know, what is it? Is it called Year 2000? Let's all meet up in the Year 2000. And Common People and so, great songs. There's some really, mm. really What cool is it stuff. with a lot of those bands that just had one name? Pulp, Suede... Oasis, blur. Yeah. It's quite interesting. My, my YouTube channel Cooler. makes up for that. We, Cooler, we Shaker, <laughs> super, Supergrass, Stereophonics. My word. I think That's why we're the Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Paddle Show, just to make up for all these one word people. <laughs> <laughs> make, make life difficult. There's probably for a lot more of them, too, eh? Like, if you think about it, they're just the sure. ones off the top. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it becomes a, a, a thing. Part of the Whoa. scene, part of the vibe. Rush. Rush. I mean, Rush. not British, but... ACDC. 
Um, that Britpop, sort of. Um, <laughs> Elastica, Canada, Canada. like there's Elastica. Elastica, and, yeah. 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 There's a few. Rob, this has been awesome, man. This I've I've really gotten into this music, so I'm I'm pumped. I'm gonna keep listening to this cool. stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of it to discover. His Matt's gonna say yeah after every uh, from now on after everything is just doing it. You know, like do, doing some podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Indeed. You know what I mean? You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> And you walked off the stage and I sang the whole set, yeah? <laughs> hey, this call ends in less than a minute. Oh, Thank you, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome. Go to Road Trip Entertainment. Go to the Super Fun, Awesome, Happy Time Pedal Show. Let's Woo-hoo. check out these guys. Thank you to Fretball Biology for sponsoring us. And as Michael Schenker says, when he wants to listen to a little bit pop. Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. Maybe you should change yeah. his name to Cooler Schenker. <laughs> Kuleshenka. Hey. <laughs> oh, thank you. Good night. Bye.